Inside Speedway is brought to you by P1 Australia and by Speedway Classics Magazine, on sale now. From the dirt tracks across Australia, welcome to Inside Speedway with Dennis Newman and Craig Revell. Darren Tindall joins us on the show and the CEO of Speedway Australia, 18 months in the job. But last weekend we saw the Australian Speedway Expo and Speedway Awards. Darren, congratulations on what was a fantastic weekend for the sport of Speedway down there in Melbourne. Uh, Thank you very much, Craig. It was um, uh, our third round or third uh, uh, Expo and Combined Hall of Fame. Uh, and certainly uh, we broke all the records uh, uh, this year. You have, in your time since coming into the the top job at Speedway Australia, been slowly making some changes and and working through it. What do you think has been the the big thing that the Expo has been able to do for Speedway and what is the industry realising about it? Great question, Craig. Uh, I think for us, it's all about bringing the sport together. Um, When they first, uh, yeah, the first Expo was held on the Gold Coast uh, a few years ago and they had, I think, 11, um, they had 11 sites there, and that was including the some of the national divisions. Uh, so we took it from there, and then uh, took it to Melbourne, and you know, everybody knows Melbourne is the home of uh, sport, um, and certainly the home of motorsport. So it was about trying to bring it um, somewhere where we had the, the highest number of license holders. So we had the highest number of license holders in Speedway or in Victoria uh, as a combined group. So I think last year we were in um, around about 1,600 square metres and had around 25 uh, exhibitors and national divisions. And this year, as I said, we broke all the records where we had every national division was represented uh, at the Expo. And I think we had about 40 um, uh, exhibitors there as well. the feedback has just been sensational. Like, you know, we had record record crowd coming through, uh, which 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 was great. But the vendors were, were talking a lot about um, uh, the amount of sales they were able to make, the amount of inquiries they were able to make. Uh, and it, it gave them a great opportunity to, to share some knowledge, um, you know, back back to the Speedway community as well about their parts and supplies and answer a lot of questions that have been on everyone's minds for a long time. It's an interesting, I guess, tightrope you have to walk at Speedway Australia. You don't necessarily promote the events because each track has a promoter. You are the, are the overarching sanctioning body, but every division has its own sanctioning and own licensing. So how does Speedway Australia negotiate so many disparate groups? Uh, great question. So, look, you know, at the end of the day, we are a licensing body uh, and and we look after the safety side of the rule book. So, again, most most divisions like SCCA, uh, the Spring Car Control Council Australia and, you know, Speedway Sedans Australia, they have their own rule book. 
uh, as far as the technical side go, but roll up into our safety rules. Uh, we also look after, from a licensing point of view, we look after all the stewards um, and marshals and scrutineers as well. So again, they have to go through, you know, their their speedways at End Australia Club, but then we license and we give all of those people their complimentary insurance when they get licensed. So we are a peak body, uh, but sitting under un, underneath us is uh, you know collective group um, national divisions that do have their own rules. Well, part of the weekend last weekend was the awarding of some of those peak body awards. And um, having been there with some people who don't have an interest in Speedway, they were blown away by the professionalism. And then the video that you were able to show about Speedway's impact and reach into the communities that it serves blew them away with the numbers and the amount of uh, economic impact. You know, it's truly amazing and, you know, um, you know congratulations to my team uh, and especially Ben Bishop for pulling all of that together. Uh, it's interesting, you know, I sat behind the curtain in Speedway for many, many years, probably 30 years racing as a racer um, and then, you know, to come across to actually um, being the CEO of the sport, you, you know, you you look through the other side of the curtain and it's truly amazing. You know, we are a $2 billion economic impact into the Australian economy. Um, and, you know, $2 billion is not something to be sneezed at. Uh, the amount, you know, especially for these small small towns and these country communities, the money that is, you know, that is flowing through there because of Speedway. And it's one of our key challenges, you know, Craig, when we... Our sports development officers do a lot of work with the local tracks. And a lot of that is around making sure that they've got a really strong relationship with their local shire. Now, we know the tracks that operate really, really well and get that extra little bit of funding have really good relationships with their local shires. And that the shire can see it, can understand it, that they are bringing you know, uh, money, revenue in into their local town. Talking about liaison with government, I know you've been heavily involved in that this week, working and as the overarching body showing the, the whole picture to various governments where you're trying to uh, build new relationships and improve the opportunities there for Speedway to grow. Yeah, absolutely. We get, uh, you know, I get asked a lot on behalf of, you know, someone who might be, looking, you know, they might be a promoter of their own track uh, privately or they might be a club. Could, you know, could myself come in and, you know, talk, talk, talk to the local mayor or, you know, talk to the local MP, you know, around the impacts of Speedway in that area you know, to try and get some of those improvements or even, you know, uh, potentially new racetracks built uh, in, in, in different areas. Well, since we've gone to a new racetrack, we saw... Archerfield closed down last weekend. Is that high on the list getting back into Brisbane? Absolutely. You know, we've seen what happens when racetracks in capital cities close down. We've seen what happened in Adelaide uh, when um, the Speedway in Adelaide closed down. The numbers and licence holders and competitors are just, just dwindled. They just dropped dramatically. We've seen it in Parramatta um, after Parramatta was closed for a couple of years. 
we call it the jet ski effect. Uh, and if you know, if people don't have racetracks, they need something else to do. So they'll go and buy a, a motorbike, a jet ski, a boat, and go and do something else. When the new racetrack is built, it's then trying to convince those people to come back to Speedway, and it, it's it that is not an easy task. Do you have the data that says it also hits the regional areas if the capital city track is closed? We do, absolutely. You know, people, you know, we've seen this in Adelaide that, um, you know, Murray Bridge is not that far away. It's only, you know, an hour and a little bit up up the hill. But people just don't want to travel. You have people that just want to run at their local track. Uh, and when that track's gone, um, it, you know, they, the numbers just go backwards. They, they just go backwards from there. So it will affect... Um, other racetracks when when the travellers do travel um, they they will be looking for somewhere else to race so point in case there is a, a whole club down on the Gold Coast called Surf Paradise Sedans they only ever really race at Archfield, that's probably the only place they ever race um, and now they're looking to try and get in to race somewhere else, which is really hard, you know, because they're not a national division they're only a club class, and your Toowoombas and you know Maryboroughs and places like that have already got all their their national divisions. Your SSA, your RSA, you know they're all penciled in already. They're so really hard for those local guys. They would nearly, if they can't find somewhere permanent to race, they're going to have to nearly change their cars to be able to join one of the other divisions. Having been a racer yourself, Darren, you would know about the frustration for promoters and also fans where a couple of drivers don't like something that happened, so they go and start another division. How can Speedway Australia really consolidate the sport so that it doesn't have a thousand different racing classes? That is a great question, Craig, and it is something we we monitor a lot. We don't allow any new classes. And it's as simple as that. We have too many as it is. And we have been able to reduce the number of classes um, over the last sort of 12, 16 months to come down. And I think we're down to about, well, we could be down to about 70 different classes now. (laughs) Um, We've got 11 national divisions, and that's where we're trying to get everyone to go. Um, towards a national division. But we, you know, and I think this is the problem that happened in the past is I don't like you in your division because you ran into me, so I'm going to go and start my own division and take 10 of my mates with me and we're going to run pink wheels instead of blue wheels and now we're a different class. We just don't allow that. And we've seen, you know, we get um, we get emails, um, you know, probably once a month saying, hey, can we, we want to start this class because I've seen it and it looked better. Well, no, that's exactly the same as another class, just with different colour wheels. So, no, not at all. We're working with a lot of um, divisions, like the little club classes. You've got you know, little places like, you know, say Rushworth in Victoria, and they have their own club classes. So but those numbers are getting smaller now because... The racing in, say, SSA production sedan, their cars are so close to a production sedan or a street stock or a modified sedan, 
that more and more people are just going across into those national divisions and those club classes are getting smaller. We also had in New South Wales, we had four tracks um, fairly close to each other, all had a club-based class, and they were turning up with, you know, say 12 cars. So we went down there and spoke to, you know, those four, those four venues and said, you know, how about, um, you know, we pull all this together. Three said yes, one said no. Um, but from that, now they're getting 25 cars turned up to every single race meeting. So people have got to remember that this is all, you know, we are an entertainment business. And once they understand that we're an entertainment business, that you've got to stop thinking about your back gate and think about your front gate and think about how do we entertain these people sitting on the hill? Not entertain the drivers, but the drivers are there to put on a show. It is quite a a stark realisation for many people when it's brought to them that professional motorsport in Australia was Speedway. Road racing was an amateur sport up until the mid to late 70s. Yeah, interesting. Um, uh, It's 100 years this year from the first Speedway race, um, proper Speedway race. They were doing, you know, running around, but the actual proper Speedway race where it was registered and accounted for um, was in Maitland, uh, Maitland Showgrounds 100 years ago. This year, I, I just can't quite remember the date, um, but I think it's in December fifteenth. Uh, maybe um, was the very first um, registered speedway race in Australia. And from that, we've uh, we've seen it go around the world. It was a a bike race which is registered, and of course, last night, no spoilers, but we saw another round of the World Speedway Grand Prix, which is the uh, which is the legacy of Maitland. Darren, just the relationship. Bikes are looked after by Motorcycle uh, Motorcycles Australia, and Speedways looked after by Speedway Australia. But you have two and four wheel divisions sometimes running on the one night. How does that relationship work? Got a great uh, relationship with Kelvin from Motorcycle Australia. Uh, sorry, from Motorcycle Australia. Um, it's interesting because they, they're two different insurers, uh, for one, um, uh, but more and more common, um, they are being split. So, you know, you'll have the four-wheel version, one Saturday night and the next Saturday night you'll have motorbikes. So not very often now we actually see them running on the same night. See them running at the same venue, um, and I think any any new venue that is built needs to be a multi-purpose complex uh, where we are where we do have bikes. Um, I'm surprised they're not running bikes at Eastern Creek myself because um, that would be a great venue, but I think it's, yeah, don't, don't know the reason, sorry. <laughs> you mentioned you have a 30-plus year love affair with Speedway, so how did you transition from racer to official and now CEO? Uh, yeah, well, I, I only stopped racing uh, this season, um, and the, uh, the reason I suppose I stopped racing is it is so hard to try and run the sport and race at the same time. You know, the amount of times I'd be trying to climb into a race, you know, my, my race car or climb out of my race car and I've got someone there 
standing there waiting, arms crossed, wanting to know what I'm going to do about, you know, person X over there who, you know, didn't do the right thing or the chief steward made a wrong call. And it just got to the point where I couldn't go to a racetrack and actually have my, my mind on racing. It was always kind of fix issues. Uh, so I said to my wife, you know, really sad that uh, I'm just going to sell, I'm going to sell up um, so I can concentrate on moving the sport forward. So what was the first step towards the organisation and, and organising Speedway? Interesting, I was the CEO of a, uh, a not-for-profit organisation working in the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander space. Um, absolute passion of mine, our First Nations people. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, our, our whole role was around uh, increasing the health literacy within inside the Indigenous communities. Um, at the same time, uh, I was doing that. I was the national president of Dirt Modified Australia. Uh, and then when Tim, Tim Savile left um, uh, Speedway Australia, he was the general manager or CEO, um, uh, he gave me a quick call um, and uh, Liz Weaver, who works at Speedway Australia, gave me a quick call and said, hey, uh, you know, this rolls up, you know, what are your thoughts? And sort of, you know, it it took a bit, but, I, you know, I end up talking to a few people. I, I suppose in my mind it was my opportunity to try and um, be on the sport and, you know, and, and try and move the sport forward because I could always see a few, a few little gaps in there um, and wanted to put my stamp on the sport after, you know, being in it for, you know, for 30 years. You announced last weekend that there are serious discussions about the World Series sprint cars returning since it uh, closed down. I'm thinking it would be four years ago now, but maybe it's only three with COVID. But what is the steps that have to be taken for the World Series sprint cars to return? In World Series, it's not just a matter of saying, hey, let's go and do World Series. There, there, there is a lot in them. So, first of all, um, you know, we have to get the budget right. Um, uh, you know, we can't do it without having a, a, a good budget and, and a solid budget um, because, it, you know, it is a chunk of money. Um, and then we send out expressions of interest to um, teams and we send out expressions of interest to tracks uh, on wanting to host or hold rounds of World Series. Um, so we did that, and, I, and, you know, we got enough teams and enough tracks that, you know, showed interest in it. Um, that went back to the board then. The board then uh, voted on moving forward with it. So now it's um, a matter of contracts. So we need to get at least 10 teams to contract in, um, and we need our you know, enough tracks, uh, 10 tracks or so, to to contract in as contracted tracks. Um, and once we get those things in, we can match that against the budget. And if all's good, then we will formally announce the return of World Series. As we mentioned a while ago, the Speedway has got this legacy of promoters owning their own tracks and promoters like having their own stars at every meeting. How do you work through that 
keep them here mentality so that you can get those big stars moving around the country for the required rounds? That is a great question and something that, you know, a lot of people battle with um, is should I go on World Series or should I stay and support my local track? I think, you know, Craig, I think there's a whole new generation of races because World Series hasn't been around for three-odd years. There's a, there's there's this generation that's come through, you know, your Jock Goodges, your Brock Hallett, your Ryan Newtons, your Lockie McHugh. These guys haven't ran World Series before. So I think they, they're the ones that are really keen to put their stamp on World Series because they never they haven't experienced it yet, um, and I think that'll be that'll be the thing that will will come through and help us um, get you know get get all those really good drivers contracted into World Series. Mm. So World Series is the pinnacle; it's the the top level of competition, in my opinion. Although uh, many others say no, it's the national title for the sprint cars and the division, but with what we saw at the Australian Sprint Car and Australian Formula 500 championships over there at Kiwana, where both divisions said we might have been on the same bill, we might have been on the same nights, but we both felt like we were being equally promoted. Is there an opportunity where you can use World Series to lift the profile of other divisions or is there opportunities that there might be a World Series tour and then a Formula 500, a Sedans or a, a speed car tour as well? The short answer is yes. I actually see it um, maybe a little bit differently. What I would like to see is um, a series that follows. So the World Series isn't just about sprint cars. Um, uh, and, and maybe that we take... And a junior division on the road with World Series. So every state can have every state's got juniors, and our junior program is so important to to the survival of our sport that you know you'd have a, a juniors on the same night as each of the World Series rounds, and that gives those juniors an opportunity to be viewed in front of the biggest crowds, and gives them an opportunity to. To, to show that, you know, they're stars in their own right um, up against the best drivers in spring cars in the country. So are you talking about juniors as in the under-16 races or junior divisions as in the smaller divisions? Junior, our SSA, SSA junior, up to 16 years old. An interesting plan and, of course, it's, it's always baby steps, but on the back of how the Hall of Fame and awards night, the Expo has gone, you're certainly putting the runs on the board to be able to relaunch the World Series sprint cars bigger and better than we've ever seen it before. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, when our... We have a great board, um, you know, and and they are consistently talking about moving the sport forward. Um, uh, yeah, I've got to say, Craig, that my staff, my, my sports development officers um, and, and, and our admin licensing staff are always looking 
for what we can do to improve the sport to move the sport forward. Our board meetings go for so long because we have so many great ideas on how to move the sport forward, how to make the sport more professional. One of the things, Craig, around our um, when I took over, and this is no blight on on previous management, but Speedway Australia was seen to be um, the big guy with the big stick. When you walk into a race track somewhere and you wore a Speedway Australia shirt, it was what have I done wrong type of thing. What we've been able to do in, I think, the last 18 months is really show that we are here for the sport and we are present. You know, my, their sports development officers are at so many race meetings throughout the year and just work and talk with the presidents, working with the president, the secretary, the treasurer, um, giving them hints and tips and advice on running race meetings um, because they see so many successful tracks. Um, I'm not sure, Craig, have you seen any of our, um, our Wednesday collectives that we do? I haven't. I haven't seen those as yet. I've certainly seen the way that you've changed the branding, and that has not been subtle. But I've certainly seen the way you've been changing the branding, changing the presentation, and making people feel like they're part, they're a member of Speedway Australia, as opposed to what you had said before, Big Brother, looking over you. Exactly right. You know, it is it is all about how do we help as many people as we can move the sport forward. And it's a one of my teams said it uh, really well the other day, is everyone in our team is all walking in the same direction. There is no one wandering off to the side. Everyone is walking in the same direction. Uh, and our goal is to get everyone in Speedway walking in the same direction, uh, which is sensational. And I think... Ben Bishop runs our collectives on a, you know, once a month on a Wednesday night. And, you know, a couple of weeks ago we had uh, track prepping. So we send an invitation out to every club and every racetrack. If you've got anyone there who wants to get some hints and tips around prepping a track, we had uh, Mikey Rimmer from the Motorplex, probably one of the best track preppers in the country, if not the best track prepper in the country. Spent time in the US uh, learning how to prep tracks over there. Um, uh, Preps Perth Motorplex, um, Darwin. Um, he went to the Classic this year to help the guys out because they were having some track issues. Uh, so then he gets on, on, on a video call and works through these. Are the this is the process I take at all different times of the year. And so, you know, it's doing all those little things. We had one for commentary where, you know, where Ben was able to get about supercar commentators, speedway commentators, uh, bitchman commentators, uh, and we invited all the commentators from around the country, all these little tracks that just have someone who sounded good on a microphone and was given once and giving them some actual skills on how to commentate effectively. So... These are all the things we're doing to try and move the sport forward. Yes, and it's baby steps, of course, but in 18 months, I think you've uh, you've definitely put your own imprint on Speedway Australia, and I guess recognition of that externally has been that Motorsport Australia has uh, welcomed you back into the fold and the two organisations reaffiliating. 
that would be one thing that uh, you know, I'm very proud of is, is, is joining back with Motorsport Australia. The affiliation is so strong, especially from a grants point of, point of view and helping us being recognised in government um, as a um, they, uh, NSO, National, National Sporting Organisation. We weren't actually classed as that when we were out on our own, but now that we are back under Motorsport Australia, we're an NSO. Certainly makes it easier when you're going applying for state and federal grants uh, when you're a national sporting organisation. You are also an international sport, and whilst primarily we see sprint cars and and speed cars, sedans, all racing in America, how do you build those relationships? Because they're a disparate group, and then, of course, we've got right through Europe predominantly, but also in America you have the two-wheel speedway as well. Look, you know, we we do... I reach out to some, some counterparts and friends in America um, and we do talk, talk four-wheel speedway a lot um, uh, and the difference between what we do and what they do. We are very regulated here in Australia um, from a safety point of view. Um, yeah, you've just got to watch some of the World of Outlaw stuff. You know, they don't even wear arm restraints, um, which to me is crazy, but, however, that's their choice. Uh, but our our job is to make sure people race on Saturday and work on Monday, um, and, you know, that that is a really strong motto for us. It is interesting, you know, when you do talk to, you know, your counterparts overseas, uh, and... It, America, you know, it's, and I, I can't remember the numbers that they've got over in America, 400 million people or something, compared to our close to 30 million people. Everything is is, is happening so fast over there, and they have so many racetracks, um, you know, compared to us. Um, a lot of our national divisions now um, are trying to, you know, like our late models and dirt modifieds, uh, sprint cars, just making it easier to actually purchase out of America. So you can actually just buy a car, bring it back and start racing without having to make all the modifications to suit the Australian rules. So a lot of those national divisions are changing their rules so that they can just, you can just load a container up with late models or whatever and bring them back to Australia and start racing. Is that where Speedway Australia has a role at looking at the national divisions rulebook? and particularly focusing in on the safety aspects of, well, you might want to make that change, but we know legislation in Victoria, which isn't the same as in Queensland, where you guys are based, will cause issues. A lot of that. Um, as the peak body, um, we, you know, we've spoken with WorkSafe, you know, a couple of times, as you can imagine. Um uh, and and the governments, especially like New South Wales, is the most heavily regulated state in the country. It is crazy, but they they've been through our rule book, uh, and they say if you believe that rule's okay, we're we're happy to take you on that. They don't go, they don't try and pull our rules apart and say you should do this, you should do that. They they sit with us and they go through the rule book from a safety point of view, and they uh, they they let us make those calls which is really good. Do you have to sign off, though, the Spring Car Control Council's 
technical regs in relation to safety? That, that is an interesting question. The SCCA, the Springfield Control Council, they have their own rules, their own technical rules and their own rule book that sits outside of Speedway Australia. Is that a bit of a risk because it's your insurers that are insuring and if there's something technically wrong, that's going to come back and bite uh, Speedway Australia? Yes, it could be, Absolutely. The Sprinter Control Council rulebook is 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 fairly concise uh, from a technical point of view. Absolutely, um, uh, they've got some very very clever people in the, that organisation who are running that. So uh, technically, their rulebook is 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 very safe. Well, Darren, it has been a pleasure to catch up with you, and we wish you all the best as. Uh, I am sure the off-season that we are now approaching in Speedway is going to be for you every bit as busy as race weekends. I always thought there was an off-season as well, but when you draw a line from Shark Bay in Western Australia across to Townsville, and everything up from there, and then we have probably 20 racetracks up there, they have all just started their season. So we don't really get an off-season anymore. (laughs) It's just a year-round deal. Chariots of Thunder is now becoming a destination for motorsport fans to go to Northline Speedway too, which is is part of getting the word out about why Speedway is so important to community. You know, uh, $11 million into the Northern Territory uh, economy over two weekends and around, on average, and everything is measured, Craig, in bed nights when you're looking at any economic impact that a sport has. It's all about bed nights. Uh, and uh, Chariot brings about 33,000 bed nights to Darwin over two weeks. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's remarkable. And when you think that it's a staggering amount that goes into the Warrnambool economy with the Classic, and this year there'll be the Classic and the national title down there, that economy is set for a, a huge boost. Warrnambool, the Classic, normally brings in about four and a half million, um, but it'll be closer to six million, maybe seven million, uh, with the National Spring Cup title being on the following weekend. And then, you know, everyone following, you know, uh, World Series, if it goes ahead, will all, you know, will also be there as well. So, Darren, thanks very much for your time joining us on the show, and we look forward to uh, watching the progress of Speedway and certainly the re-emergence of Speedway as the uh, premier motorsport categories or motorsport uh, selection in the coming years. Thank you very much, Craig. Really appreciate it. And uh, we'll hope to see you at the awards and expo next year. That's it for another edition of Inside Speedway. I hope you enjoyed hearing from the CEO of Speedway Australia. Until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Tune in next week for more on Inside Speedway. Inside Speedway is produced by Thunder Media. Any reproduction, accounts, or descriptions of the program without written permission from Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Inside Speedway is brought to you by... P1 Australia, and by Speedway Classics Magazine, on sale now.